You're listening to Starting Place, a podcast of Training the Church. I'm your host, Elizabeth Woodson, and this season we are talking about how the gospel unfolds through the story of Scripture. Last week we talked about the kings, the period of Israel's monarchy. was highlighted for us in 1 Samuel through 2 Chronicles is not necessarily the individual stories of the people of Israel, but their story through the lens of their leaders. We saw that some of Israel's leaders, some of the kings followed God, but most did not. We saw the chaos and destruction that ensued when these leaders chose to follow sin and idolatry over worshiping the one true God. But we also saw how amidst the situation, there was always a faithful remnant And now through this season and their story, God was working to bring them the salvation that he had promised. On today's episode, we are going to continue our walk through the Old Testament with John Anwuchekwa, known to many of you as Jono. John and I are going to talk about the Psalms and unpack how prayer was vital for Israel and is vital for us as the people of God. He's going to share one of the biggest obstacles that keeps us from prayer and how a tragedy in his own life brought the psalms and the steam of prayer alive for him in a whole new way. John, I know you, but our people might not know you. And so you've got your hands in a lot of different things in terms of ministry in some really creative ways. And so can you just share a little bit about the work that you do? So this is funny, right? At the beginning of this year, it's a For the past 16 years, if anybody asked me that question, I would lead in and say, oh, I'm a pastor. And uh, after 16 years, I've stepped away from that. So uh, there is a little bit of insecurity when I get the what do you do? Because it's like, I I don't know, right? I just kind of, you know, I, um, yeah, I I speak, I preach, I write, I'm an entrepreneur, own a business, I spend my time creating, I tell stories. And so kind of my life right now is just spent on, um, especially this year, just trying to find a good pace and even a pattern for what a life uh, looks like that really wants to use um, every bit of my page all the way out to the margins uh, to help people Mm -hmm. know uh, what it means to know and love and trust God. And in some ways that's done very explicitly right, in what I write and speak and preach and teach. And in some ways, um, it's done a little subversively in businesses that I own and um, just things that I help to create and shape. So that's a long answer. Maybe as time goes on, I'll yeah, yeah, get a little clearer on what it is that I actually do with my life. So, no, that was, I mean, that was pretty clear. Uh, we, yeah. Yeah, I mean, your work <laughs> is, you're not new to this ministry space. And so there's yeah. a lot of your work that I have benefited from learning from that is out there, podcasts, mm-hmm. writing, sermons, um, and even your business ventures. Yeah. And so we'll link all yeah. that in the show notes. But um, it's fun to have you on today because of the all the spaces yeah. that you're thinking and creating. And so when it comes to this section of scripture, John, we're talking about prayer, but prayer isn't unique yeah. to the Psalms. And so can you just right. start us off by letting us know what is prayer? And we hear it repeated yeah. all the time. 
So is it vital to our life with God? How is it vital to our life with God? Can you help us with that? Yeah, yeah. one of the best definitions that I could think of is um, Gary Millar. And uh, he's an Australian cat, wrote this okay. book, Calling on the Name of the Lord. And one of the things that he brings up is a uh, prayer is merely calling on God to fulfill the promises that he made to us, right? So oftentimes when we think of prayer, we think of it as something initiatory, something that we initiate with God. Uh, But prayer is always and utterly reactive. We're reacting to what God had said about himself. And so Genesis 4, 26, right? We know the Bible starts off, God creates, brings order, By the power of his word, God brings beauty out of chaos. Adam and Eve reintroduce chaos into the world. God comes back and doesn't immediately or ultimately curse them. God gives a promise that he's going to fix things, right? Mm -hmm. And so God says, once again, I'm going to repair and to bring this uh, world back into order. Um, And God says, the promise that I have is I'm going to give you this son, this seed's going to come into the world. Mm-hmm. Genesis 4, they start off and they say, yo, we got a child, Cain. This is the guy that God promised. Um, that actually doesn't turn out to be so, right? Yeah. So Cain yeah. is far from what it is that they hoped for. And in Genesis 4, you just see the lineage goes on and the descendants of Cain get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And Genesis 4, 26 ends off with this phrase, and, and, and it says, um, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And what it was were people were saying, God, you promised that things would be this way. You initiated and gave us this promise. We find ourselves existing in a world where things are not like what you said at all. We're calling on you, God, would you please fulfill what it is that you said that you would do? Or would you give us yeah comfort and consolation in the meantime? And what you can do is you can take that thread um, and trace it through the fabric of Scripture. And all of these prayers are us calling on God to fulfill His covenant promises um, to us. Yeah. Can you repeat that definition one more time for us yeah. that you gave at the very beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prayer is calling on God to fulfill his covenant promises to us. And the beautiful thing about that is that when we pray, we're not asking God to do something that he doesn't want to do. When when we pray, we're, we're saying, God, we're asking you to do what you want to do and what you said that you would yeah. do. So that's the thing that gives us great confidence in our prayers, right? The fact that, no, this is God's agenda and God's will. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk about some of the things that get in the way of us praying. Mm. But when I think mm. about, you know, the life of Israel and I think about all that they have gone mm. through up to this point mm. and how they are in some sense, I think it's just a really beautiful definition yeah. to say, God, please make good on what you said you were going to make good right. for. Like right. we're here, we're struggling, right. we don't know what's going on yeah. and we just need you to be who you said you were going to be and right. do what you said you were going to do. Yeah. Or like you said, give us comfort and consolation in the process, like Amen. help us in some Amen. way. Right. And we see a lot of that in some really beautiful ways in the book of Psalms. Yeah. Um, and prayers take 
different flavors and different mm. tones because yeah. <laughs> not all the prayers are the same and, right. and there is a wisdom for us in that in terms of what it means for us to relate to God and so when you have stepped through the book of Psalms what are some of the prayers different types of prayers that you have seen yeah. and what do you think this tells us about who God is and Israel's relationship with him like their yeah, experience yeah. being God's people yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as you go through Psalms, what you see is you see, yeah, prayers of lament or complaint to God. Like, mm. God, these people out here tripping. I'm trying to do the right thing. Help me out, God. Like, yeah. <laughs> right? So you see God. that. You see prayers of thanksgiving. God, I thank you for what it is that you've done, right? Prayers of praise, right? God, uh, I I thank you for who you are, right? You see prayers of confidence. I think of like Psalm 3, where he's like, yo, Lord, enemies are all surrounding me. Yeah. And I know that things aren't going to change, but I know that you're close by, right? And so you have him with this, yo, God, if I'm confident that my prayers can reach your ears, if I'm mm-hmm. confident that my prayers reach your ears, then I know that I can fall asleep in your arms, even if yeah. things aren't what they are. And so throughout this psalm, what you see is, or throughout the psalms, what you see is this. Every human emotion, and this is what I love about psalms, every human emotion is taking a connecting flight, right? So we live in a world where we love to give our emotions direct flights. I'm angry Mm -hmm. at you, it's going to be a direct right flight, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm grateful for the provision that I have, and I'm, yeah. I love wealth, money. It's going to be a direct flight from my joy to that. What Psalms has said, no, 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 no. Every emotion has to be a connecting flight. God is that hub. I can be angry at people that have done me wrong, and that's fine, but I just got to make sure that my anger takes a connecting flight through God's Mm -hmm. hub, right? So this is what I love about the imprecatory Psalms. David saying, all right, Lord, these people are tripping. I'm telling you, if it was up to me, they would catch these hands. But God, I want you to know that I think that they should catch these hands. And so if you think that they should catch these hands, I'm gonna let you intervene. And so you see it, like there is a way for people to completely unburden themselves Mm -hmm. um, of everything that, is on their hands without soiling their hands in sin, yeah. right? And so it's, yeah, all of our flights or all of our emotions are taking these connecting flights through the hub of God. I need you to like put that in a book if it's not hey, already listen. in one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that just came too. I wish I had it written down. It was like, oh yeah. <laughs> it's like that came from Jado. Y'all don't take that. Um, but it, yo, it it's, yo, 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 copywritten this thirty uh, first day of January twenty twenty three. Listen, because <laughs> um, it's such a uh, a clear illustration yeah. of how we need to handle something that. There are so many ways, I think a few ways that people navigate emotions. Sometimes people ignore them completely. And so Mm. we have come to the point where we demonize emotions. Emotions aren't spiritual. Yeah. Or we love them too much. And where we are driven by them because I feel it. It's real. It's my decision maker. Mm. And for us to see that those things have been given to us by God, they're indicators of the life that we're living. And what are you supposed to do with them? Bring them to the Lord. 
Yeah. And the means by which we do that is through this mechanism of prayer. And like you said, like lament, there are 40% of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Oh, you don't have to hide the emotion from God, the anger, the frustration. I mean, David's like, you forgot me. You yeah. said you were going to do this and you didn't do this. And how right. many times that that is similar to our relationship with the Lord by the end of the Psalm of lament, he makes it back to this place of, Lord, I trust you and you're faithful. I mm. always like to think in my glorified imagination, there's some time between there. Like, it's not this immediate, oh, right. like, God, I'm mad. Okay, it's cool now. But <laughs> right, it's this right. process yeah. uh, where the spirit comes and he allows us, because lament is pregnant with hope mm. because of who we're crying out to. Right. And I think the same is true for all of the scripture. But it's this place where bring it to the Lord mm. and we are processing it with him and in that place, he does a work right, um, and right. trusting of the Holy Spirit. Like this dynamic, you can't put words to it fully, but you know the work of transformation that happens when we submit ourselves to that process of just coming to the Lord. Like you said, Lord, honor your covenant promises. Help us in the in-between space, but mm-hmm. be who you said you were going to be to us. Yeah. When I think about spiritual disciplines, habits of Christians, oh uh, prayer, yeah. Uh, I don't know about your experience in ministry, but Listen. my experience in ministry, the saints yeah. had a little struggle, struggle with oh, prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Why do you think this is? Okay. Right? It, it, we see in the scripture, like it's really powerful. It is. But yet we don't tap into it as much. I don't tap into it as much yeah. as I ought to. From your experience working with people and talking with different folks, and what have you seen are some of the obstacles to people stepping into prayer. Yeah, so I'm I'm not going to put anybody on blast. So this is my experience <laughs> working with me, right? So, <laughs> so the very first book that I wrote was on prayer. Damn. And it was, uh, oh, no, no, no. Listen, I'm writing this book not because of my victories, but because of my failures, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, the strange thing about prayer is, you know, prayerlessness is more like uh, the flu than the chicken pox, all right? Chicken pox, you get it one mm. time, rub some calamine lotion on it, you chill. And once you've solved it, you're free for life, yeah. right? You're not going to get it again. Most people think their struggle to pray is like that. Like, all right, what do I need? And once I learn this, I'm never going to struggle. Mm. And that's not what prayer is. Prayer is more like the flu, right? And the flu, regardless of how many times that you got it, you can continue to get it. And that's because prayerlessness is rooted yeah. in pride. And the thing about pride is, mm-hmm. oh, no, no, there is not a circumstance that protects you from pride, right? If you're impoverished and you find your, your life is mired in, in tragedy and hardship, it's easy for, for us, yeah. for me, to blame God for what he's done wrong or what God has allowed. So tragedy brings us low and it makes us feel like God is at work in the universe and responsible for everything, especially Mm -hmm. our hard times, and it drives us from God. Ironically, when we're prosperous, we don't carry that same view that God is in charge or it's at God's hands that all this thing came. Mm-hmm. Now, when prosperity comes, it's I'm responsible. Look yeah. at what I did. And we take God's good gifts yeah. for granted. And, and so what it does is whether we're yeah. prospering or low, our heart, our heart always finds reasons 
to either insert God in a way that puts him at fault, which makes us want to run from him, or which exalts ourself and makes us want to run from God, not out of feeling that God responds to us with a nefarious intent, but out of neglecting God, feeling like he's uninvolved. And so we just find ourselves as we go through life um, doing any and everything but praying, right? Mm -hmm. Until we're forced into it, right? So it's like, that's what changed me. Like I grew up in a Nigerian household where my parents were, yeah, Christian, Christian, super saved. You know, punctuality is not a thing that we value in our culture. And regardless of how late we were, we would not leave the house as a family until we read the Bible and prayed, right? So I saw it. Mm-hmm. But throughout my life, I just felt like it was this rote practice that I experienced or tried to do. And eight years ago, my brother died, and it was unexplained. Mm-hmm. So the ironic thing yeah. was that nobody took his life, right? So there was nobody for me to aim my anger directly at. He didn't, he mm-hmm. wasn't sick, he didn't have a condition. He was healthy. He uh, like mm-hmm. he he wasn't even the type that would like cuss. Like as we grew up, when he said cuss words, it always felt like he was walking in somebody else's shoes. Like ah, them shoes are too big for you. <laughs> Chill, right? <laughs> so he was pastoring in Memphis at the time with a wife and three kids. Was doing premarital mm-hmm. for a couple that wasn't even a part of his church. And sat down in his car to prepare his sermon for the next week. Went to sleep and didn't wake up and was gone like that. So all of my hurt and my pain and anger, I feel like that was one of the first times in my life that it's like I aimed them right at God because it was a, he was the only person that I felt like was responsible for all of this. And uh, I feel like I like, you know, just continue to let it out just drowning in despair. And when I, once I came up for breath, I expected to be like, ah, oh, God, I know you're probably mad at me for all the things that I said. Uh, but I didn't feel that, right? I never felt an ounce of God's displeasure. And as I started to read through the Psalms, it was the type of thing where I said, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. The Psalms don't just give us a permission to pray, right? Uh, the Psalms give us a script and I see that, oh, Lord, even the man that yeah. you would say is a man after your own heart, it kind of came at you with more teeth than I came at you with. And yet and still you yeah. welcomed it and responded and didn't chide him. And so at that point, it was like, oh, prayer is something more different, much more beautiful and mm-hmm. personal uh, than I thought. Yeah. Had you been exposed to lament and the Psalms and just those places of deep honesty before the passing of your brother? Or was that something that you found along the I'd, way? I'd been exposed to him. I was, <laughs> right, like, okay. I got a master's from Dallas Theological. So I know we mm-hmm. we went through the text. I'd been preaching for a decade. I know I preached through the text, right? I was in a doctoral mm-hmm. program. I had gone through it all. But it was something about it just being like, like real, right? Um, I don't know what it yeah. was, but that time or that journey made it made it real. Like, 
I knew it yeah. was true, but that time made yeah. those laments real and human. I think back to my own seasons of loss and just yeah. difficulty. Um, my journey is one that includes depression, includes anxiety, mm. and just really low moments. And finding encouragement yeah. in the words, even if I could mm. not utter them myself, just to read right. the strength of them because of yeah. the strength mm. of my lowness. And again, I would say the same thing is that, you know, right. I've read through these, have studied these right. for right. other right. people. But in the moment when yeah. I needed it for yeah. myself, that a whole new brightness came yeah. and healing. And again, a journey of healing. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily think it's this one, yeah. one and done, this quick fix, but this process of this is a place that I feel welcome with the Lord in Absolutely. what I'm going through. In your experience, just talking with different yeah. churches or pastors, do you think we cover those harder prayers in Scripture for our people as much as we should. I don't think so. You know, suffering is something that is, you know, it's so hard to, it's so hard to predict when it's going to come, right? So it's like yeah. so many things about our lives that we can imagine with the utmost clarity may never happen, right? Mm -hmm. People daydream yeah. about yeah. their wedding days or graduating from college or birthing kids or all this. And those are things that may or may not take place, but we can see those things with the utmost yeah. clarity. But the things in our life yeah. that are absolutely certain, suffering and hardship and death, mm. those things are unimaginable. We, we don't really have a category for how they'll be. And we somehow kind of live like dawdling through life as if, maybe we're the exception to the rule and we'll escape them and yeah. it blindsides us. Yeah. So I just think that, yeah, especially in our world that loves, you know, entertainment and comforting and consoling messages, mm. which are good, I think we neglect yeah. the importance of preparing folks. So once again, yeah, quick story from my own failure. Mm -hmm. This was January of 2015, so it's eight years ago. We're getting ready to plant the church cornerstone. We're sitting, it's 30 of us, mostly 30-somethings, sitting in our core team meeting. And uh, we have these core values that we talk about, and one of them was longevity. So I come through, and it's like, all right, I'm about to teach this thing. I'm really going to pull on folks' heartstrings. And it's like, all right, if we're committed to longevity, then what that means is that in the community that we're in, uh, some of us in this room are likely going to bury other people that are in this room. And right, that's what it, right. And people did what you just did there, right? The corners of their mouth <laughs> curled <Yeah>. downward, <laughs> and it was a bunch of young folks. So after the meeting, yeah, everybody roasted me. They're like, "Way to go, John! Like, way to boost the morale in the room." You know, you talk about <laughs> death and all yeah. stuff, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I was." too heavy handed and this is a church mm. plant and we are all young. Like let's, let's talk about the good things that God's going to gift us and let's create an excitement yeah. about the future. And then in March, everything hit the fan. So in March, mm. somebody from our church lost their sister. April, my brother died. Mm. May, somebody else lost their sister. 
June, the day that we start the church, my wife's grandma passed. And for that next six months, every three to four weeks, somebody in our church lost somebody that was very, very close to them. And then um, it was January 30th, 2016, yeah, seven years ago, yesterday, a lady that was the age of, of my wife's mom. I baptized her and my wife's mom on the same day in October of 2015, January 30th, she died of cancer. And so now it was like, now I looked back on those eight months and I thought, I failed to prepare our people to undergo inevitability because I felt like it was too much emotionally. And I just feel like when it comes to suffering and grief and hardship, Mm -hmm. unless you get that stuff into the bloodstream of the church or the community before the events take place, uh, when the events take place, I think it's, it's not that it's unhelpful, but it's too late to administer the best medicine. Yeah, because you suffering is a whole different place. You know, the ones that last for a yeah. long time do not have mm. easy answers. You know, I think about the loss of loved ones and it's grief yeah. doesn't really ever go away. I think you just learn to live Absolutely. in a new normal. And what does it mean to function and to still find yeah. joy and to engage and still right. live on mission and say, there's something right. for me here, even though someone I love or something I love is yeah. not here. And like I said, that yep. takes time to cultivate that right. in our minds and our hearts because it's not a matter yeah. of if. It's just a right. matter of when. Absolutely. And some of the, the the folks in scripture, Paul is is a is a person I go back to a lot. And you know, I think about him in Colossians. I think about his prison epistles, yeah. period. And he writes with so mm. much joy. But yeah, he's in a Listen. bad situation. <laughs> like it gets me every time. Cause he's like, Yeah, you know, I'm in jail and people are coming to know Christ, you know, yeah. because I'm here and people outside are getting more courageous because yeah. I'm here. And I'm like, Elizabeth, you sit here. Complaining and struggling about what's going on. Like, like it's the perspective and eyes that are lifted up to the Lord. And it doesn't make us like what's going right. on doesn't matter or like water yeah. it down. But it does embolden us to live in God's world as his people. And at the end of Colossians, he's like, he's written all this stuff. He's like, remember yeah. my chains. Mm. Like, remember what I'm going through. And so much of scripture, we see the stories. I love the stories because of real people in a real place going through Absolutely. real stuff. And we see real people process their stuff with the Lord in yeah. honesty, with joy and praise and sorrow and yeah. anger. I call them the imprecatory. I'm like, get them Jesus <laughs> yeah. prayers. Yeah. Like, can you get them? <laughs> uh, get them, Jesus, if you want to get them. <laughs> <Right. laughs> but I want you to get them. But it's just that we get an example of what it means to live life Amen. with God and the complexities of it, the pain of it, the joy of it, but the constancy mm. of right. God. And his presence and really because life with him is our ultimate Amen. goal. And so, John, you, you, you told us earlier, you wrote an entire yeah. book on prayer. And so what are some of the just really practical yeah. ways that you have worked to kind of incorporate yeah. this habit yeah. in your life? And, and I'm thinking about the person who's like, OK, it's great. I'm on board. I know I need yeah. to do this, y'all. But can you help just give me some ways to get my yeah. feet wet with, yeah. this, uh, with this thing? One of the things that I would do is I would uh, say one of the 
simplest and most memorable things that you can do is when you think of prayer and what it is that you need to do to strengthen your prayer life, uh, I would remove first person singular pronouns from the equation. Um, I think, especially in the West, when it comes to prayer, we tend to view it like we do our Christianity as some individual discipline, where if you go through the book of Acts and just look at prayer in the book of Acts, one of the things that you'll find is the overwhelming majority of the times prayer is mentioned, it is a corporate exercise. People are praying together. And where somebody is praying by themselves, you think of Acts 9 with Ananias and Paul. God is bringing them together. Acts 10, Peter and Cornelius, God is bringing them together. So prayer is inherently, I think, a corporate exercise. And I think so many of the people, when they evaluate their prayer lives, they evaluate it on an individualistic rubric as if God mm. is waiting in the wings, getting ready to deduct points because you're cheating off of your neighbor's paper. And that is not yeah. how it works, right? That the Sermon on the Mount, God is giving instructions, all right? Yo, you take the log out of your eye. If your eye causes you to sin, singular, singular, singular. And then they say, God, teach us how to pray. And he said, all right, when you go and pray, um, pray like this our Father in heaven. Mm. And every mm-hmm. pronoun in that prayer is plural. So although God does want us to stay away from trying to impress people in our prayers, yeah. uh, he does give us permission and start to goad us to involve people in our prayers. One of the most practical things that you can do is if you, singular person, are struggling to pray, get another person and say, hey, I really need help. Would you provide me the same accountability that I go after when I'm trying to get back in shape? Like, yo, I I need to work. (laughs) If it's left up to me, I'm going to stay in the bed. But I just need to know that somebody else is going to be there. And what I've seen is that when people do that, it is amazing how they see, Mm -hmm. oh, my goodness, it's easier to pray It's easier to stay attentive and focused. Um, And I think it's because when we do that, we're reminded that God made Adam. God said it was all all things were all good. And the very first time God says something is not good is not in Genesis 3. It's in Genesis 2 when Adam has an unhindered relationship with God. But God still looks down and says, oh, it's not good. Adam, if you're ever going to know me, we're actually going to have to involve somebody else into this equation. And it is actually in how I relate, not just to you, but to y'all and how y'all relate to me, that you're really going to know me Mm. fully. And prayer is the same way. There's a unique aspect of us engaging with God when we realize that your private prayers are not enough, right? God Mm. created us as a community. And often, right, people have the regiments and the routines and all the other things that they're going to do. But one of the things that they miss out on is the corporate aspect of those prayers. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, John, can you land us in our conversation? We've been asking the same question every week. How do the Psalms and this theme of prayer point us to the gospel? Yeah. 
So the Psalms point us to the gospel because the Psalms um, are the prayer book of Jesus. So Jesus is going to be praying Mm -hmm. um, all of these Psalms, even the Psalms of lament and Psalms of confidence. And so I think they point us forward um, to one of the greatest prayers that he prays in Matthew or in Mark chapter 14 in the Garden of Gethsemane, Mm -hmm. when he prays, God, if there's any other way, I pray you would take this cup from it. God, you get them. I don't want (laughs) to go there. But then he says, (laughs) God, but not my will, but yours be done. There's this ultimate Mm -hmm. confidence um, in what God will do. And so, you know, I think sometimes when we talk about the gospel, we major Mm -hmm. on the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and when we talk about the resurrection, we kind of treat that as the like, oh, yeah, doctrine. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. And he rose. But I do feel like what changes in the disciples prayer is this. In Mark chapter 14, they're running away from people that aren't chasing them. And Jesus is beckoning them to pray, to depend on God. And then Jesus dies but then he raises from the dead. And I think in Acts, what we see is things change completely uh, because they realize, oh, wait a minute, Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still here. And their prayers aren't just rooted in his sacrifice, but his resurrection, his victory. And they know He promised that he would be raised and we would be raised and God fulfilled his promise in him. So now we're just going to continue to call on God to do the same thing for us. And I think it gives us a great boldness and confidence to remember uh, that we serve a promise keeping God. Yeah, that we see hope embedded in the book of Psalms, whatever the emotion is, whatever the situation, because we're calling out to God. Um, as you told us, John, to be faithful to his covenant promises. Do what you said you're going to do. Be Amen. who you said you're going to be. Uh, keep right. us in the Amen. in-between and with Jesus that we yeah. see the fulfillment Amen. of that hope. That all of what is good and true about our lives, the ability for us to persevere in, in the joyful and the sorrowful, everything yeah. in between hinges Amen. on Jesus. And, and, and like you said, not just that yeah. he died, but that he Amen. got up. And because of the Holy Spirit, that the power that he got up with Amen. lives in us. And that's what empowers us. John, thank you. Thank you. Thank you awesome. for stopping by yeah. <laughs> and sharing your wisdom with us. Absolutely. Prayer is calling on God to fulfill the promises he made to us. It is a place for us both individually and corporately to process our emotions, rehearse the truth of our faith, and to ask God to be who he said he would be for us or for someone else and to keep us in the in-between. But what can keep us from prayer is our own pride. I think back to the words I heard from a visiting pastor one Sunday. Prayerlessness is not a sign that you're not disciplined enough. Prayerlessness is a sign that you are too confident in yourself. This week, I don't have a question for you, but an action for you to take. Because after an episode on prayer, it is only fitting for me to encourage you to take some time today either by yourself or with a friend, and pray. And if you're looking for a model to use, Matthew 6, 9 through 13 is a great place to start. Not just to read the verses really quickly, 
but to pray them slowly as you take time to consider the significance of what Jesus is saying in this prayer. Thank you for listening to Starting Place. This podcast is designed to serve as an introduction, helping you understand and grow in your Christian faith. So if you are interested in learning more about today's topic or connecting with our guest, please check the show notes for more information. And if you're interested in supporting the work we do, we'd love it if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps other people find the show and connect with us. Until next time, grace and peace, y'all. Thank you.